unsportsmanlike conduct. We break down the Lions and Ravens and the second straight loss to the Lions. And, well, their playoff push is going in the wrong direction. We'll see what that means for them now and for the future. And then we'll go into the college football playoff recap. A lot of controversy right now with Ohio State and Alabama and who should have made it. We'll talk about that. Maybe if the playoffs should be expanded in the future. And then we'll go into some basketball, some college hoops. Uh, we'll talk about Michigan and their debacle the other night at Ohio State and some issues with Nick Ward at Michigan State uh, during that Rutgers game. And then we'll bring in a little bit of matching for you with Central Michigan making a bowl game and Western Michigan not making a bowl game as the state finally starting to tilt the other way. All that and more on Sportsman's Conduct. Welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald. I'm your host. And to my left and right for the last time this semester, I have Elena Hess and Evan Petzold. Guys, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it was a, it was a later night last <laughs> night. I was up later than I planned to be up. And, you know, now it's kind of backfiring on me. But there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you guys. So... I'm really excited to get the show started. Tell you what, the freshman's getting worn down. Helena, how about you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, can't wait for break, but I'm glad to be here tonight. For sure. And we will uh, we will have plenty of sports here to come at you and talk about all this. But we're going to start with the Lions here. That'll be our first one. And, well, uh, you know, they looked like they were uh, <laughs> they going to get the job done, but really it just it didn't go that way for them again. Um, kind of started to come back in the game and, just didn't happen. They end up losing to the Ravens, but I guess you know more or less, unless a break instead of like breaking down the game this time. Fact of the matter is, they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year, which is obviously very disappointing from where they were a few weeks ago, six and four, with the chance to beat the Vikings and kind of bring themselves back in the division race. Now they come out and they lose that game, which I think a lot of people did actually expect. But then this one is kind of one of the games where it was like, okay, if the Lions were still good enough to at least be a wild card team, maybe you know be in the playoffs again. This is the kind of game you need to win. They didn't do it. Um, I guess right now does this team have any shot to be able to get back in the playoffs? And if not, what what do you what's the outlook on the season right now? Well, here's the first problem. I mean, looking at this game against Baltimore, you know, you're on the road and you go down twenty nothing to start. And and yeah, St- Stafford can can come back. That's what he's known for. He's the the comeback kid, and that's you know that's how he's kind of recognized throughout the league. But you, you can't do it all the time, and you can't do it against a a Ravens team that that. Is it was more of a veteran team, and they have a really good coach in John Harbaugh, and you, you can't you can't always do that. And in this situation, they just weren't able to do it. And like you said, like you know, it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs. And, and pretty much, as far as the division goes, that that's gone with the Vikings and the Packers yeah. both no, winning yes, on Sunday. <laughs> so I mean, there's still a little bit of wild card hope, especially if the Panthers and Seahawks lose uh, their their games late in the year. But right now, where they're at, you know, the run game still hasn't improved in. in I'm going to make a very non-bold statement and say that it's not going to improve the rest of the year. There, I mean, there's there's no way that that it improves. Deion Green, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure you guys can agree with me on that one. It probably won't improve. I don't, I don't think we're going to see a 100-yard rusher in a game this season. Well, considering that they had a rookie take his first carry in that game for 33 yards, and then he ended with 51 as their leading rusher. Yeah, I think that just kind of says it all. It does about the running game. But so yeah, I mean, if the run game could turn around, yeah, maybe they have a shot, but it's not going to. So. The Lions don't have a shot for the playoffs. They're, they're, they're not going to make it this year. Elena? I agree with you. I mean, they haven't really even beat a team all year that you can say is a standout team. So uh, not being able to put up points in the, the first half, uh, they also, again, they started out slow, and you can't do that against good teams. I mean, yeah, they got away with it in the past, like uh, the Browns, and I can't remember a lot of the teams this year, and they can do it against the – not so good, like mediocre teams, but not against a 
Ravens team like this, obviously. For sure, and I think you just said it perfectly. I mean, you can go through their wins, and there's the one exception with the Vikings on the road. That was earlier in the season, though, when the Vikings weren't doing what they're doing right mm-hmm. now. They were still a team that was trying to find themselves as well. And even with a backup quarterback like Case Keenum, receivers that you've never heard of besides maybe Stephon Diggs, now you've heard of Thielen and everything throughout yeah. the season, but you didn't before, and a very good defense. I mean, everyone knew the Vikings had a good defense, but that you're going to tell me that that offense can do more than what the Lions have on their offense? They I mean, should, they there's absolutely they no way that to. it should be that way. I mean, and you, and you can't make the excuse for the running backs anymore. You could have said they have a better running back, Delvin Cook. He's hurting out for the year, and they're mm-hmm. using a guy. I mean, Latavius Murray, sure, he's been decent in the past, but he came off the bench cold, and still, and their running attack is still better than the Lions is this season. That's where it gets to me, and it's just kind of like it's ridiculous right now that you know you have enough, they had the perfect chance with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt to be able to take advantage and win the division this year, and they didn't do it again. So. I guess, I mean, like I said, you can look down their wins, but I was saying at first, you have the Cardinals and Giants, both not good teams. Um, the Packers, when they beat them, Aaron Rodgers, and then the Browns and Bears. Nothing. Those are all those are all bad wins besides the win against the Vikings, which they won by seven on the road. So, I don't know. Right right now you got that extension they gave Caldwell this season. And I guess right now, in my, in my mind, I don't know if that was necessarily the right move because – it's two straight seasons now where they've had a chance, and you could you couldn't really say this is more mid season this time of a collapse. But coming down the stretch where they had a chance to be able to win the division or come back and be in the division mm-hmm. race, and they blew it a year ago, and this year to be able to get back in it, they lost the game on Thanksgiving at home and had the chance with Green Bay being out of it to finally win it, and they led a team with a backup quarterback and backup running backs, and like I said, pretty much nameless receivers, outdo them and win the division. I don't think Caldwell is the right guy. I don't know what you guys are you guys are thinking right now, but I think. It has a lot to do with leadership when your team can't do it and it starts with coaching, really. I mean, here's my here's my thing. I mean, you, you lose your last four games of the season in, in 2016, and, and then and then you know, and then you extend a guy. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my question is, if you haven't proved yourself, why should you be getting an extension? That's the problem with the Lions franchise is if you get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. you technically proved yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's good <laughs> enough for a lot of Lions fans and their organization. But that, it seems yeah, man, that, that's, just, that's just not fair, though. I mean, when you go to the playoffs and you, and you lose – Twenty six to six to to Seattle. Yeah, Seattle's a darn good football. Oh, team. Oh, but Matt Stafford's arm was hurt though. But oh, but his arm was hurt. That so was the all, clear so reason all, why they did So it. it's all okay. Yeah, because it would have mattered. But but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is, it, he didn't prove it. He he hasn't proved anything. He hasn't proved that he can win football games at a consistent rate. And that's what that's what it has to be in this league. I mean, you you look at you look at the Vikings, like you said, they're 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 a group of people that they're a group of players that really aren't. Anything special? They're, they're 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 no, you know, they're not they're not special. They're just guys that are kind of doing their jobs and getting things done, and they're on this Coming huge winning streak. As a team, yeah, exactly. And those are the kind of wins that you know they they're stringing along. But the Lions can't do that, and the Lions ha- have better players on paper. I I would say it. it I don't know. I just think you got to prove yourself first, and Caldwell hasn't proved himself. I completely agree with that. You can't uh, reward somebody for losing, and so I mean, you got to get somebody in there that can get you a win, but obviously the Lions think differently. Yeah, and I don't understand it just because, I mean, Jim Bob Cooter at this point, I don't care what anybody says about his relationship with Stafford. I don't care what it is. Their offense is so bland that I think he needs to go. And I personally didn't mind Jim Caldwell even coming back into the season. I didn't know necessarily about an extension. I thought they should have waited on that to see yeah. where they were at the season, mm-hmm. and I think that's proving itself now. But when you, they definitely have had enough talent the past two years to be able to win this division. Now, last year's more of an exception because obviously any team with Aaron Rodgers on it can win a division. This year, there's absolutely no excuse for it. The way that they folded here down the stretch and they've lost games again to any teams that are good in the league, they cannot beat a good team. 
I like I said, there's the it, it bugs me. There's the one exception of the Vikings because they didn't turn it on until after that game. But nevertheless, when the game mattered, the Vikings won the game and it was in a Lions stadium. So it's really frustrating. And you, and some people will point fingers to Matt Stafford saying he's the highest paid quarterback in the league and he should be able to lead this team and be able to be a leader for them. And I I don't think you can blame as much on him. But he's definitely had his bad games here, not on the stretch as well. He didn't play well against the Vikings, and he definitely did not play well again last week. So it's back-to-back games where when things mattered, he folded too, and it's just kind of like he has to look at this organization again, and now all of a sudden you look at Bob Quinn as a GM and you kind of say, have you maybe dug yourself a little bit of a hole? I mean, what what does he do to get himself out of this? I mean, you got to win football games, and you got to finish the season strong. That, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you go on the road to play a 4-8 Tampa Bay team <laughs> next week, and, and it's it's – a game where you you have to win. You, mm-hmm. you got to win. You, you oh, can't, they have to. You, if they, if they want any chance to even make the playoffs or play for it, you have to go ten and six. It, they have to win. Out. Exactly. So, I mean, if you're talking about what what he has to do to turn things around, you got to get your team to win football games. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't really care how you do it. You just have to win football games somehow, some way. I agree with that all the way, Elena. Yep, one hundred percent. You need to win out, and if not, then there's going to be some serious questions. I mean, there already is serious questions. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you know. You have to do this to win. You have to do that to win. Like you just have to win. You have to find a way to win. It's not going to be pretty. And I and I guarantee you, if they if they win out, each win's not going to be a pretty win. It, it's the Detroit Lions, and they're not they're not a good football team. So if you if you find a way to win out, it's 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 by you know chance, luck, however you want to do it. Other teams that have to lose to help it, them. It, exactly. Yeah. Th- that's this franchise is at. That's how I look yep. at it, and that's and that's how I see it. And I think it's been this way for years. And this is why I will never give this franchise more credit than it deserves, which is not a lot because. They do this every single season. They get to this point, and everyone starts to buy in, and you know, drink. I mean, at, at some point, you have to start to drink the Kool Aid during the season because mm-hmm. when they're playing that well, you have to believe it. You can't just say that they're, you know, they're not they're not good because at that point they are good. They're looking good, but I mean, the thing is, like these teams, these games against the Panthers and Saints early in the year, I didn't think either of those teams going to be as good as they are now. They're a lot better, so I guess those are, they're not like bad losses anymore at this point. But it, it's it's still not an excuse to me. Like you still have to be able to beat some of these teams. If you want to be considered a good team, a good franchise, and everyone's going to say, well, these are beatable teams on the stretch. They could beat these last four teams. The Lions are a beatable team, in my mind. So I, I just don't mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand where people, you know, see, see them being that much better, but I, I don't think that they are. Um, I guess real quick, just a prediction on the on the Buccaneers. What do you think happens there on the road this week? I mean, I think the Lions do end up losing that game. I, I just don't see them winning much more this year. Maybe they'll beat Chicago and, and Cincinnati in there. But as far as Tampa Bay goes, I mean, I, I see them losing by maybe 10, 10 there. Elena? I'm going to say they win this game, but that's that's just me hoping, I guess. I, I mean, I could see how they could win this game, and I'm going to go with the two. I think they are going to win it. I, I think that the Buccaneers aren't a good enough team. I think the Lions are a better team. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost it. Like, it's not going to oh, yeah, shock same. me if they lose this game at all. But I think that, they, I think that they'll pull this one out and get the win. Um, I really think that they'll win – Almost every game the rest of the season, I think that the one they're going to lose, to be honest, at the Bengals because the Bengals have been playing a little bit better football. Sure, they blew that. that They did blow that game to the Steelers the other night, but nevertheless, I think that they're a better team right now than the Lions are, which is sad to say because even though the record might be six and six, they're not playing like it. So that's where we're at with the Lions and with their future right now. But we'll switch over to the other uh, side of football, which is college, and there's definitely been again for another another season with this playoff, and it seems to be everybody kind of got what they wanted a few years ago with this playoff when it came in. Everybody. Wanted the college football playoff. It was a good thing, positive. But now there's this thing where at the end of the year, the committee came. It's just that's what's so beautiful about college football, man. Anybody can beat anybody any mm-hmm. Saturday, and it's happened the past two weeks, just like it did at the end of last year. 
Now it's done it again this year where teams that are at the top lose, and then the next week when you finally think you got someone in there that's going to be able to hold it, they lose too. And, and, and it happened again this past weekend. You know, with Wisconsin, they were finally the four spot. Everyone was wondering if they were a real team. They did make it a game against Ohio State. I'll give them that. But I just don't think Ohio State's that good of a team anyways. Um, I think that they're just a mediocre team when it comes to when comparing them to the SEC and national championship standards. But nevertheless, Ohio State's an 11-2 and team that has some pretty good wins in their schedule. And Alabama played some schools that were weaker earlier in their schedule. So a lot of the argument there is, you know, because Alabama's scheduling was technically weaker, like how do they get in over Ohio State? The argument back towards that is that Iowa, you know, put up 55 yeah. points on Ohio State, which is a team that you should never let 55 points up against. That If you're a national championship contender, you're not letting up 55 points to, mm-hmm. to Iowa. So do you guys think the committee made the right decision on paper, in your heart? I don't care how you think it. I I do think that they did. Yes. I think that Alabama is a better team, and I think, I mean, I just keep going back to the Iowa game against Ohio State, and I'm like, if they can, if that can happen, then I think Alabama could would roll right over Ohio State. I just I think they're a mediocre team, like you said, compared to the rest of the four teams. So. No pun intended with the roll. <laughs> roll that's, hey, that's just that's just it uh, just happened, but you know. <laughs> Elena's just that good. But Evan, here's my thing. I I think Alabama is a better team than Ohio State, but then I'm. It makes me question, you know, how how much do these conference championship games really matter? I mean, then that that's why I think maybe expanding the playoff would be a a good thing because Ohio State, you win your conference championship, and at least you get rewarded by getting into the, the playoffs. Big Ten is a conference that should probably be featured in some kind of playoff at the end of every season if they're going to have one. Exactly, it's a Power Five conference, that, that's, and that's that's my take on it. And I, and I think, yeah, Alabama is a, is a better team, and I do think Alabama would roll Ohio State. Roll Tide, <laughs> but I think I think most people do in the country. I think everybody. I think I, I don't I think, think it's just Alabama. Agree. I don't think it's just Ohio State. I think it's anybody in the Big Ten would get thumped by almost anybody in the SEC this year. I think the SEC is just that yeah. much better this year. Yeah, I mean, and that's I think a, they're just a better conference this year. Hasn't been that way in past years necessarily, but this year, the Big Ten just looks like a bunch of teams that can beat each other. So, so really, really, what would have to happen then is just the the playoff would have to get expanded to, to six or to eight, mm-hmm. and. That would allow a team like Ohio State to, you know, to get in there and to, and to be Have relevant in the playoffs and get, get their chance to prove their exactly and kind of get rewarded for winning that conference championship game because, I mean, wh- whatever you, you, Alabama didn't play in a conference championship game. That that's kind of wh- how I look at it. Mm-hmm. I think they got it right as far as on the field talent goes, mm-hmm. but I think they kind of screwed Ohio State over because at the same time they, they won their conference championship. And, and that's what I'm saying. If, if Ohio State can come back at the end of the season and play the way they did to finish it out and win their conference championship game, it's pretty hard to pick against them when Alabama was sitting there watching it on a Saturday. And I mean, it's just hard. It's hard and, for me to go against that. And, like, and like, here's my thing. Call me crazy, but you go to eight teams, UCF, 12-0. Why not just throw them in there? Throw them in there at the A <laughs> spot. Let's see what they can do. Like, exactly. Who knows? It, it, it's college football. Anybody can beat anybody. And, and who knows? I just think eight teams makes it. And now, personally, like, I just love football, so, you know, make it more. But right. the, the fact of the matter is, is if you make it eight teams – Okay, there's always going to be the argument. You can make it 16 teams, but the 17th team that didn't make it, yeah. oh, man, that's still a big deal, right? But if you do it at eight instead of doing four, the odds of the ninth team, best team in the country, like, okay, you look at the two teams right now that are there, Penn State and Miami, those teams aren't going to win the national championship. I think that they were mm-hmm. both serious contenders at one point in the season, but now they've both proved themselves to be fraud with, obviously, Penn State with their back-to-back losses and Miami getting thump- randomly beat a couple Saturdays ago. Yeah. That's that's where it kind of proves you know they're not gonna win a, a national championship. So if you have it at eight teams right there, 
all of a sudden you're probably not arguing as much. And, mm-hmm. and even their fan bases are probably saying, okay, like, honestly, we probably didn't have a shot to actually beat those teams. Like, they'd probably be mad they didn't make the playoffs, but it's it's a lot better than number four. Because right now, yeah, Ohio State probably would not win the playoff. But, but how can you know? But, but there's still a chance with Ohio State. I still think Ohio State has a legitimate chance with Urban Meyer as a coach and their past and being the team that they are this year. They, they definitely looked like one of the weaker, I think, Urban Meyer teams this year. I think just with the way that they kind of went up and down with, yeah. their, with their wins and losses. I mean, obviously they're 11-2, and two, but their two losses are pretty bad. Because that second half against Oklahoma, who's a team that's in there right now that they've already lost to, they they, they just kind of shut down at home, in front of a home crowd, shut down, let Baker Mayfield take over. So, you know, if the committee are thinking, do we really want to see Ohio State and Alabama again? Or not Alabama, Ohio State and Oklahoma again when Oklahoma already beat them. And then you got to think about the loss at Iowa as well. It's just so bad. There's no team in that playoff right now that's going to lose to Iowa. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's hard to pick against it. But it's just at the same time, they're a team that won their conference championship, like you said. So if you have eight teams and you have them in there, they still have the chance to be able to prove themselves as their conference champion. And Wisconsin has one loss in that same conference. So it's like they're the sixth team. You put them in there. I mean, I, I don't they're think not, they're not, they're not going to win, win it. But everyone knows it. But the fact of the matter is, they have one loss. I mean, compared to some of the other teams that are up there, it's. I mean, all, all the teams that are in the playoffs have one loss, but Ohio State's a team ahead of them has two. Yeah, what it really comes down to is just making more people happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have more people happy. Less people are going to be ticked at you. I mean, I mean Auburn's whatever. a ten and three team, but they did beat Alabama. They they beat yeah. Georgia. <laughs> they beat both the teams that are in the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether they have three losses or not, that's something you got to think about. In my opinion, it's just like if you have them in there. Who knows? They, let, them, let them try to make. They some noise. obviously can beat those teams. Yeah, they've done it before. So why couldn't they beat anybody else? Because I, I mean, Clemson, I think is more impressive than anybody else this year to me. Not just because they're number one in the country now, because they lost to Sean Watson and they're still twelve and one and back in the championship game again. Mm-hmm. So I think that says a lot about them. There's no question that they should be there. And then obviously the way the Oklahoma rebounded from their loss puts them there. But you just look at those two SEC schools, and when Auburn beat both of them, it's just like man, you know, it's like Auburn screws up in a conference championship game. Well, Alabama was sitting at home and didn't even have to play in it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Auburn's the one that screwed out and like, doesn't make it. You're kind of like, Auburn should get their chance. Yeah, let's move it to eight. I, <laughs> for me, for me, it's tough. Do you guys think? Here's another question. I, yeah, think I, think, I think eight's the answer, but do you think it happens anytime soon? I think it does in the next two years. Next two years. Okay. I was going to say, it's not going to happen next year. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some time. I agree. I just, yeah. I just think at some point they're going to see it. Everybody's going to ask for it enough because I think a majority of the country wants it right now. So I don't know why you wouldn't move it to that. This is what I think. If we get another situation like this, that's where we're gonna, that's where we're gonna see it. If, if another situation like this kind of happens next year, where there, there's two teams that were really deserving for different reasons for that last spot, and one of them gets, you know, knocked back into the, the fifth spot, and there is that heated discussion. I mean, I, yeah, if it happens again, I definitely see them going to to six or eight, but hopefully it's eight. I think it should definitely be eight, but I guess we'll see where that moves from there. But we can go over into a little bit of hoops action now. Switch it, switch it over from the, all this football talk for a minute. Um, I guess going back to the Big Ten, we kind of talked about it last week, and we'll start with Michigan and how big this stretch was supposed to be for them um, in five games and what it was going to prove. And obviously the way they, they came out against North Carolina was uh, nothing impressive. I mean, actually the way they came out in that game was very impressive, but the way they closed it, momentum turned, shifted, crowd went against them, and they couldn't rebound. And then they come back on Saturday and they beat a team like Indiana who – I know that they don't have that good of a record this year, but they did take Duke all the way down to like the final, what, two minutes, I think mm-hmm. it was, when they were playing against them. So it's still a team that, you know, could easily beat a team like Michigan, where Michigan's at right now. Michigan handled them by double digits. And then they come on this Ohio State game, they play so well, and you see Michigan at their best again, and it looks like, okay, this team might have finally figured itself out, and you know they're at least going to be able to beat the teams they're supposed to. 
and then they just let a 26-3 to run yeah. happen over the end of the first half, end of the second half, and they end up getting beat by nine against Ohio State. The sad part is they made five shots in the second half. They took a four-point lead again in that game with, like, I think it was around five minutes to go, and they ended up still blowing the game and couldn't re- rebound to be able to hold on to that win. Yeah, Michigan was outscored 41-19 to 19 in, in the, the second, second half. half. So, I mean, just to kind of put that in perspective, how that, that that's just awful. I mean, you got, you got 116 left in the first half, and Michigan's up by 20. And then you got the 7 0 run for the and, half. And, and then you got 1141 left in the second half, and you're down three. I mean, that, that that's crazy to me, just how quickly things turned. And I think they were just really never able to, to get themselves back out of the hole that they started to, to slowly get themselves in. That's been the problem, Evan. And it, yeah, it, it's an issue. And I, I don't know how it turns around. I don't think. You know, having Duncan Robinson on the floor is is the answer. At the four? Yeah, I don't think that's the answer. He's eight for, like, 31, I think it was, on threes this year. And he can't play defense. Right now, but he can't play defense. Yes, eight for 31 on threes this year. Who can he guard? What other, no what, what other four can he guard? Not anyone at the four position, that is for sure. And, and that's it, what I'm saying. It's tough. It's tough right now. And you got guys like Livers and Poole. I mean, not that Poole's that position, but Livers, who's playing pretty well. And is, but let Livers just, play. Exactly. Start Livers. I don't even care. Start That's what Livers. I'm saying. I think Duncan Robinson, I think last year he grew into a role by the end of the season where he became comfortable coming off the bench, and I almost think that that would be a better role for him right now because he's obviously not handling the stardom that well. But Yeah, he's not He's not a guy that's going to go out there for you and going to lock guys up on defense and score 15 a game. He's just mm-hmm. not. He's good for a couple threes off the bench, and, and that's kind of his role, and that's where – he has to almost accept himself as being at that role, but I guess the question is, you know, is Livers ready at this point to to take on a starting role at the four, or maybe do you go big and you let Teske and Wagner run down there? I mean, I don't I don't really know the answer to that. I don't know if you have any, or you guys have any suggestions for that. But I mean, I don't know. Do you do you go bigger? Or do you do you trust a younger kid? I I would say you have to trust a younger kid. Just give him a shot. I I think that Livers is definitely there. He's has good. A chance to play right now. He's but darn good. I'll tell you what. It still, to me, is even deeper than that. I think it just goes into these guys' emotions. I think you look at a guy like Charles Matthews, who's been playing so far this year, and at times when things are going right, man, he's driving to the hole. He's getting the holes quick. And then when things start to go wrong, you start to see everybody on Michigan's team do it, but him especially, dribble the ball, dribble the ball, dribble the ball. First half, you just saw them you know, move the ball around every single time. It was just like one pass to another one. There's barely any dribbling. Second half, it's more of that same kind of thing where they just mm-hmm. hold the ball themselves. They don't find a way to be able to score points. And... It was the same exact kind of thing as what happened in North Carolina. Duncan Robinson misses a layup, comes back down the other way. North Carolina hits a big shot. Crowd gets into the game, and all of a sudden, North Carolina doesn't stop after that. Ohio yep. State gets a dunk from Tate. Crowd gets ignited in a stadium that was apparently dead, according to a tweet that I saw. Had basically not not a lot, not enough people at it to be really loud. Apparently, the place just got electric after he made that dunk. Michigan never recovered after that 26-3 run. It's when they're on the road and they allow these plays to happen that change momentum in a game. I think that the leaders in that team right now, which you can look to Abdul Rockman, Mo Wagner, and Charles Matthews, and arguably Duncan Robinson is supposed to be the four that's supposed to be able to put some points in, which he, he is because last year when he did it, that's when they started to win games too because, yeah, everybody wanted to look to Walton and everybody wanted to look to Irvin whoever started to come down the stretch for him. Duncan Robinson made a lot of big three-pointers last year in games and they needed points, and he, he's done it consistently throughout his career. That isn't happening from any of those four guys right now, and they're still trying to find their roles, and it's a lot. I think it's a lot of attitude problems. Do you see it with Matthews? Yeah. He has issues with it. I know Mo Wagner has a uh, Wagner has a lot of problems with that. When he starts to get down on himself, end of that game, I mean, Michigan had two turnovers the whole first half. They had six in the second half, and three of them came from Wagner, and they all came in the last six minutes of the game. Yep. 
that's what he does. When he starts to falter and he can't find it, he tries to force things. He tries to pull up from three on shots that are contested. That's not his game. It's, it's, called, it's called hero ball. Exactly. They want to take over. And that's where Michigan needs to learn like this team learned last year. You know, you, you could just look back at your own tape from a year ago and say, look what these guys were doing at the end of the season, how much different it was. You tried to find somebody else who was open. When he got down, they didn't get down themselves. They stuck to their game plan and kept doing what they were doing. They didn't do that again, in my opinion. I mean, look what look what Zach Irvin did last year for the Michigan team. Beginning of the year, even, even dating back into, in, into two seasons ago, it was hero ball for him. It was, oh, you know, things are going bad. Zach Irvin, he's got to have the ball. He's got to he's got to do something. He he's, he wasn't even really that good of a ball player overall. But that was just kind of the role that he accepted and that he had in the team. But by the end of last year, who was taking the last shot? Derek Walton Jr. You know, he he became that guy. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's that's what this Michigan team is at right now. Is they're they're at the point where they have to realize that you know you know Matthews he he can't always be the guy. Wagner can't always be the guy. You know you know Rockman can't always be the guy. You know if you're open, get get your guys the ball and get them shots. But it can't just be one. It can't be all three of those guys all trying to play hero ball at the same time because that doesn't work, and that's how you lose games. And, and another thing, I mean, you mentioned emotions. I mean, I kind of want a, a solid rotation at point guard. I mean, we we see Simpson there at the end. What does that say to Eli? What does that say to Eli Brooks? Or what does Eli Brooks say? What does Eli Brooks starting? What does that say to to Xavier Simpson? I think you got to stick with something and, and stop playing musical chairs with all your your positions, especially at point guard, because I I can only imagine how much that kind of gets in those guys' heads when. You know, you see yourself starting, and then you're not playing at the end, but you're not. You're called to here, but not here. And it, it, I could see how that messed with guys' heads, and I think that has to get figured out too. I think you got to, you got to pick a guy and just stick with him until he really screws up. I agree with that. There's a lot of problems with this team right now, but I think the biggest one is learning how to play together and finding, finding a leader that says like, you know what, like we got to get our, get our stuff together and just play as a team, you know. And you, like you said, you can't be playing hero ball can't look to one guy all the time just everybody has to accept their roles and figure I, it out I don't even know who their leader is that's the that's what I was just gonna say is you you look at it and that was supposed to be Mo Wagner coming into the season without a question he was supposed to be the guy that was gonna be able to answer that then all of a sudden it started to look like Charles Matthews in Maui because of the way that he played there and it's just like these guys can't decide on that I think what you said about the point guard that's that's a very good point Evan because I I didn't even you know allude to that yet and it's you, you think about it and they definitely have been switching on and off of it and I never argue with Beeline's tactics. I think the guy's a great coach. I think he knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. But I definitely agree with that because, you know, down the stretch again, it's like, should Eli Brooks be in that game? It's hard to do because I think right now he's going with the hot hand, which I don't necessarily disagree with because they really don't know who their best point guard is. I mean, I think you can kind of tell it's not Jaron Simmons, that's for sure. Yeah. He has a long way to go before he's going to be where he was when he was at Ohio, and I don't know if he'll ever even get back to it at Michigan. I think it's just a lot harder for him with, you know, always having the ball in his hand to now not ever having the ball, you know, or like giving the ball to other people. He doesn't get that concept. But Xavier played well the other night, and everyone wanted to get really mad about Adam because he made one bad play where he dribbled the ball off his leg and turned it over towards the end of the game. It's like, and he, and he passed up an open three before that. Before that play, he was playing the best, I think, I mm-hmm. made Michigan's point guard at the time. So I don't know if, if I would have necessarily went away from him just because he was playing the best at that point. But they took out Eli Brooks way too soon in the start of that second half, and that that's where I did have a problem because when he was on the floor at the start of the game, he made a three, he had a two. He had like five of Michigan's first 12 points or whatever it was. He was playing good, and then all of a sudden they take him out. I don't know if it's because of the freshman, and he, he just doesn't feel comfortable playing him enough, but Eli Brooks I think is definitely their best point guard right now. And, and here's another thing. When you look at floor generals, leaders, generally they're point guards. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you know, your your leader and your, your floor general – is really your point guard. And that that's kind of where I'm at with this Michigan team is, okay, who, who's your point guard going to be? 
And then who's your leader going to be? I mean, Eli Brooks could be this amazing leader, and we don't even know about it yet. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we don't know with some of these freshmen what, what, what Michigan has. So it's just definitely something to pay attention to and kind of, you know, keep our eyes on as just, just fans of college basketball in general just to, you know, to keep tabs on. UCLA on Saturday. Um, it's definitely a big game for them now. Um, they're not playing tonight because of wildfires, so I think that that's pretty crazy. But <laughs> apparently it did not change their uh, their flight plans to still come to Ann Arbor. They're still expecting to arrive on Friday. Um, what does Michigan have to do to get a win there? And I, I mean I mean, have to get a win at this point, I think, after the way that they lost the game to Ohio State. If they didn't lose the game to Ohio State, I'd say you could probably lose and go beat Texas and still be okay. But now they need a, they need a win against both these teams, I think. Yeah, I mean, these these two games really do mean a lot. And it's a lot, a lot about it is momentum. I mean, you, you win these two games, and then you have a couple weaker non-conference games you know, following, and then you're right into big-time play. So coming out with wins against UCLA and Texas would be huge. They're bigger-name schools. And then you go to Little Caesars Arena to play Detroit, and, and that's always a big game, and that, that's going to be fun for them as well. So I think when, when push comes to shove, I mean, you, you really just got to figure out how to be efficient uh, with your scoring if you're Michigan. You have to figure out how to – you know, not not try to do too much with one player, pass the ball around, dish things off. N- no one can be too selfish. I, I think just moving the ball. You know, don't I? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe pass four times before you shoot, unless you're wide open. I, I don't know. Some something's got to change. I, I I don't really know what you do at this point, but I think definitely more more ball movement for sure throughout the entire game. Yeah, I agree. They both they have to win both of these games to, I mean, to be six. I mean, to have the momentum momentum to go into the other games. I mean. You need leadership, and they lean. Sorry, I'm mumbling tonight. They need to learn how to play together, and if that doesn't happen, then I just is not going to look good for this team. No, it's not going to look good near the end of the year either when they're trying to decide if they're going to make the tournament around March. That's where I think that these games come in to be bigger. Right now, it's the first week of December. I mean, every John Beeline team since Nick Stauskas has graduated pretty much has made their mark towards February and towards that time so mm-hmm. it's not some it's it's the typical everyone's gonna freak out right now and say oh Michigan's this and Michigan's that and then they're probably gonna come on towards the end of the year and be a, a, a better team I guarantee you that they'll be a better team by the end of the season it's no question I've only seen it happen once since he graduated where they weren't and that's because Karis LeVert and Derek Walton were both in crutches so it it's it's I don't think it's gonna be that big of an issue but these games do matter and if you're looking at an RPI and everything else for the end of the year Michigan needs to beat at least one of these teams. I think UCLA is the bigger of the two for sure. And then you definitely don't want to just come back and slip up against Texas because that'll hurt you. So that's where they're at right now. But speaking of a game that almost slipped up last night, wow. I mean, we were covering the the CMU game, so we couldn't really pay attention to it as much. But kind of kept hearing things in my ear other than the whole Notre Dame and Ball State thing because that was absolutely insane. We'll get to that. But we'll get to that eventually. But Michigan State was duking it out with – with Rutgers oh, yeah. last night, it, it was a uh, it, it was definitely a close one. It was a, a game all the way up until pretty much the last couple of minutes, and I think the the biggest storyline of the night was Nick Ward. Nick Ward uh, kind of got benched. He only played eleven total minutes in the game, and he's obviously one of their better players, one of their bigger guys. Miles Bridges had twenty one points to lead the team last night, and he kind of took over and was able to win the game for him. But when Nick Ward went out, he just kind of had that face in the sideline the entire time, like, "Why am I even here?" The attitude issues with him, I think, mm-hmm. is something that has already been kind of pointed out through the first nine games of their season so far. And after the game, when reporters were asking him questions, Kyle Austin of M Live was the one that actually was asking him them. You know, kind of said that, like, asked him a question about his night and, what he, and why he didn't play more and what it would mean for his team to play more. And he, and he kind of just completely shut him down and didn't didn't want to basically didn't want to. He said, 
he said something about how he's played more minutes in the past and or how many people did you see score more than however many points on me last year? Basically, just gave him this really snappy answer. And then Tom Izzo came over and said, you know, guys, I don't usually do this, but let's just keep it to a couple more questions tonight for Nick Ward. So I don't know if I just – it's going to be taken as, like, one of two ways, either that, you know, he's just trying to protect his player or this is going to be an ongoing issue for Nick Ward. I mean, what does this team do if he keeps doing this all season? Does this affect Michigan State in ways to where they won't – maybe we won't be able to win the Big Ten? Or are they still too good of a team with too much talent to, you know, for anyone to contend against them? Tom Izzo is a really good coach. That's yeah. that's the first thing you you really have to realize here. He's handled a few different personalities. Yeah. Draymond Green and and yeah yeah and and he's going to drill this through Nick Ward's head one way or another. It might take a might you know he he might have it drilled through his head already today. Um, it might take a week. It might take a month. But he's gonna get he's gonna get Nick Ward figured out. And I and I, I I trust him as a coach to. And to get his big man man figured out, because like like you said, Nick Ward's huge for this team. Man, he's a monster on the board. He's arguably just as he, important about to Miles Bridges. As oh in yeah, my opinion. oh yeah. I mean, you need a guy like him inside who can he he can battle it out with anybody, and that that really does impress me about him. But I mean, it, it's I just know, the way it, Izzo's it, offense runs. Yeah, they need he, a guy like that. Izzo says that you know he said the defense from from Ward wasn't good enough early, and they tried to make some changes, and he wasn't having it, so he benched him. And you know, if you're not going to play good defense. Izzo's gonna sit you. He's, I mean, mm-hmm. Izzo's not. He, he's not one to to be light about that kind of stuff. If he no. says do something, you better get it done. That's because he's a smart coach. He's a smart coach. He's a good coach. He's a darn good coach. And that's why I think he's gonna get this nailed through Nick Ward's head, and and he'll have him figured out. I, I think Michigan State's gonna be just fine, uh, ma- mainly because they have, they have one of the best coaches. Right. I agree with that. I think that Izzo is handling it, handling it well because it's early in the season. He's gonna get him figured out, and he sat him and. He benched him last night because he he saw a problem and like you said, if it's not already already drilled through his head, it's gonna be just like you said, Draymond Green. I mean, yeah. he's still a basket case at times, but <laughs> Izzo could get him under control. So I mean, if you could do that with Draymond Green, I I can see you doing that with Ward. So I mean, if if it keeps up and he can't get it under control, I mean, yeah, it will hurt Michigan State, but they're still too good of a team, I think, to. Not win the Big Ten, but I think I think it'll be fine. I think Izzo is doing the right thing. So you can't have games like this against the better teams in the Big Ten. I'll tell you that right now. You can't do this against a team like Minnesota. You can't do it against a team like Purdue. They'll beat you. So they they got to get them figured out, and I think they will as well, just because that's the kind of coach that Izzo is. And historically, he has done it with players that have had attitude issues in the past. So I don't think it's anything that you know he can't handle. He's mm-hmm. obviously he's one of the best coaches in the country, and and probably that's ever coached the game. So. He's not. It's not going to be that much of an issue for him. I think the Michigan State is going to be fine, um, but it's still something that you just want to see this guy grow out of because he's supposed to be a guy that people look to on this team, to, like a guy like Jaron Jackson. They're supposed to look to this guy to be a leader, and you know, recruits coming in and everything else looks to this, and, and you see stuff like that, and it kind of just probably puts you down a little bit. Obviously, it's very hard to overcome the history of Michigan State basketball if you're a recruit. You're looking yeah. at you're like, I probably want to play basketball there, but when you see guys like that, you know, you kind of think maybe that'll be me or something. He needs to straighten it out just to make his program look better, I think. And you, you can't have it because you can't have games where you're tied against a team like Rutgers, 26-26 at halftime. You can't do that against Purdue where you'll probably get beat and teams that will probably be right up there competing with them the whole season. I mean, I guess the good thing is this happened at really the best point in the season for Michigan State as far as you know Nick Ward kind of kind of falling off a, a little bit because you got six non-conference games, pretty easy games that you should, you should win them all pretty darn easily whether you have Nick Ward or, or don't have him um, playing a majority of the minutes. 
So I really think it couldn't happen at a better time. But once Big Ten play starts, he's got to have his mindset right. For sure. I, I think they'll get it figured out, but we'll see what happens with them. We're going to uh, kind of wrap up our topics here with uh, a little bit of a matching twist on the semester. So Central Michigan made a bowl game, 8-4, and four, going to the uh, Idaho Potato Bowl, which um, I was not thrilled to hear, but we were all kind of hoping that they go to Detroit, at least me and Evan were. Yeah. Um, so that way it would be a little bit easier of a travel, but now we're not so sure about if we're going to go to the uh, to the Potato State. But nevertheless, <laughs> they're there. They're playing uh, playing Wyoming. It was a good, good competition. Um, a, a, a team that I think if Central can beat would say a lot about where the program's at right now and kind of keep them on the upswing that they've been towards the end of the year because you win five games in a row and, you know, this team is three and four like they were nothing and all of a sudden they the whole Shane Morris move looks like the 100% right correction, the, the the proper move and all the turnovers they've been able to produce on defense this year. Kind of an interesting matchup with the first and second best team in the teams in the country in turnovers and Wyoming and Central. Those two are right at the top of the FBS uh, division. So it's going to be a good game, but I more of what I actually want to talk about on this topic is the other team in the state, the in-state rival to Central, is Western Michigan. A year ago, they go 13-0, and win the MAC title. They look like they're unbeatable. Program's mm-hmm. in a great spot. P.J. Fleck couldn't be the better guy. He's the absolute correct choice, and I, I, I believe that and respected him more from going from 1-11 to that and you know, a span of four years there at Western and all of a sudden Tim Lester comes in this year and it looks like he's got things going decent, right? We're, we're starting the season. We're talking about it. We have, you know, they play Michigan state. They hang right with them. You know, they, they, they don't, they don't have a, or they, they're with them for a good amount of the game. They play USC. They're right there with them. They were right there, right that, there that with them to, to, to the end of the game. I mean, oh, they're yeah. there. And then it's like, you know, they still are doing pretty good throughout the middle of the Mac. And then here at the end of the season, they've just fallen apart since the loss to central when they allowed the 21 answer point comeback. Um, at home, ever since then, they just lost their confidence. They finished 6-6, six and six, and they didn't get invited to a bowl game. I mean, you're talking about from one of the historic best seasons in, in MAC football history, and that probably will not happen for 30 more years, and they come back this year, and they're just they're not there. They're not the same team. I mean, where, where, does Western, where does Tim Lester go from here? Does he deserve to get a lot of questions this year? Is this a first-year you know, hiccup and you kind of get over it. Or, I mean, they still had uh, Jamari Bogan, who's a, a great running back for them in that backfield, and, and they still had plenty of talent to be able to, I think, have their offense have more wins. I, I just don't think it happened. Yeah, I mean, I think it is kind of the, the, the first-year jitters or the, the first-year hiccups, you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of how, how things work. You, you come into to a team and, you know, you have to learn your players and you have to understand your players and you have to connect with them. Sometimes that doesn't happen right away. I mean, I think for Western Michigan, we'll see how they respond and how they bounce back next year. But, I mean, I wouldn't worry too much. I wouldn't worry too much. De- definitely, though, uh, a letdown. Definitely a letdown. Oh, without but, a but question. I, but, I, but I think, you know, in the back of your mind, you know this is this is a new coach coming in. I think the this second year is year's a, big. Second year is, yeah, second year is huge. It's going to be big, like big time, big time. Yeah, Changes I, I agree. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Elena? Yeah, I don't think they should worry about it too much. I mean, Obviously, last season was a huge success for them, but, I mean, you didn't really expect him to do it again. Not nearly that good. No, no. but obviously you didn't expect him to kind of end up like this, but mm-hmm. I think, like you said, second year will be a lot bigger, and, I mean, maybe there'll be questions after next year if this happens again. And looking at Western Michigan as far as next year goes, I mean, you open the season up against Syracuse, a good Syracuse team. Good Syracuse team. And then you head to Ann Arbor to play the University of Michigan, and... 
I mean, those are those are two games right there that that you could drop both of those, and it's then pretty tough. You never know where you go from there. So I mean, I I don't know. I guess we're gonna see how this Western Michigan team, you know, kind of kind of comes out and, and and does next year. But definitely two two uh two tough ones to start. It's definitely tough, and I don't think that six and six is acceptable at all. I don't think that Tim Lester should lose his job by any means. But I think that this next year, you finish six and six or anywhere around it again, all of a sudden you gotta start questioning it with where the program was mm-hmm. at. And if you can, you know, if you're the coach that comes in and kind of brings that down, you got to all of a sudden have to start having a lot of questions. I think he's going to get at least three years there no matter what. But next year is definitely going to start to get a lot of, you know, eyebrows raised from the fans. You know, multiple people I talked to about it said that, you know, his play calling was too bland at times. And I saw it in front of my own eyes when I was there covering the game against Central. Towards the end of that game, they they had a drive going where they got across the 50 and they were running the ball with effectiveness and Central. Central could not stop their run game with, with, with that, by any means. And I don't think that they would have if they would have kept doing it. But for some reason, they went to a freshman quarterback that's never started a game to try to pass the ball down the stretch, even when they had the lead in that game. And their final, like, three possessions, tried to keep throwing it. They had a play where their running back got him across the 50-yard line, and they go back to him and keep throwing again. It's just bad play calling. It seemed mm-hmm. like situational bad play calling for a lot of a lot of uh, his his play calls this year. So a lot of it does fall back on him. There's no reason to me this team shouldn't have been an 8-4, and 9-3 and team. Right now, with with the, with the talent they had back, they definitely should have been a team that was competing for a MAC title, and they weren't. I guess the question that I want to wrap it up with is, you know, with Central finishing the way they did this year and the absolute outstanding finish of the season that they had, do you guys see that trend continuing? Is Central going to be the team that keeps going up? Obviously, losing Shane Morris is going to be big, and they're going to have to replace him with Tony Poljan. It seems like Western might have a little bit more coming back now after this last year. They lose their running backs, but everything else kind of comes back for them in that in that quarterback. I don't know why I can't think of his name right now, but. Um, you know, he was he was pretty good before he got hurt this year. Mm-hmm. The, the one out of Grand Rapids Christian. Do they come back and are they are they going to be the team that kind of can they level things out again in the state or is Central going to be the team that keeps kind of going up? I, mean, I think for Central Michigan, one of the things is you also lose a lot of your receivers as well. That's huge, and that's huge. That that is that is big that's time. that's a big reason why Morris is what he is right now. Yeah, and you, you I mean you you take a guy like Tony Poljan who really hasn't gotten many looks under center throwing the football. And, and you take away the receivers as well. I mean, you, you're going to have to rely on your running backs a lot. Romello Ross and and Jonathan, Jonathan Ward, Ward are going to have to be. Well, Jonathan Ward will be the person that people look to all yeah, offseason. Yeah, he's going to have, and he's going to have to be good consistently, game in, game out next year. If if Central Michigan really wants to have a, a chance to keep this up, and then I think for for Tony Poljan, it kind of it, it'll come. I mean, he's a guy that is going to have to grow, and he's going to have to learn his receivers because they're going to be a little bit younger. But I, I don't know. I think they'll figure it out. They'll be all right. I think that. Uh, earlier in the season, we didn't really think, like you said, um, we didn't think Central was going to be this big of a success at the no. end of the year. <laughs> but going into next season after they uh, lose a lot of good players, I think it'll be challenging, but I think I think they'll still look good, and I think that Western will kind of level it out a little bit, though. I don't think anybody thought Central would be where they're at right now. I don't think that anyone thought they could win five games in a row. I sure as heck didn't. You know, since I've stepped into this campus, I didn't believe anything like that was possible, but <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, and I and I, John, John Bademagel's a good guy, but you know, I looked at his coaching abilities at some points, and I really thought, you know, wow, why early in the season, I I asked him after a game, why'd you go for two there, and the answer he d- gave me didn't really make sense to me, and then at other times there there was some other there was some other things, the way that he ended the season now with that, the way he did the onside kick to, to, in the Western Michigan game, it just plays like that, and airing it out more and giving Morris a chance to be able to find his receivers. I think he got more aggressive towards the end of the year, and I think that that's really, really helped Central Michigan. I think as long as he can keep that up and, and keep coaching in that style and stay away from more of the conservative play calling, he's had a more aggressive defense this year. 
I think I think that John Bonamago has really made a lot more people in this town believe that he can be the coach here. Because there, there were some people I think asking questions when they were three and four, but the way he's finished the season is hard to argue with it. And I think he can keep him right there with Western. Yeah, you hit on it perfectly. I mean, you can have an aggressive offense if your defense is producing turnovers because mm-hmm. you always got them to back you up, and I, and I think that's going to be huge for them going forward as well. For sure. Well, we'll see what happens. It'll be a good good in-state uh, rivalry, and I think that for the next few years it's definitely going to be a lot closer games than maybe we've seen in the past. So um, we'll end it here with our uh, final stud and dud of the semester. So, uh, Evan, I'll start with you. What's your stud? Uh, my stud, Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant. He completed his first 15 passes against the Miami defense. It's pretty darn tough in the ACC championship game, finished the game with 23 completions for, for 252 passing yards, adding a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So yeah, overall, had a really great game for Clemson. Sure, that's pretty hard to argue with, Elena. All right, my stud is the Cavs because they're on a 12-game win streak, and I'm just ecstatic about that. And we'll see if they can carry it out tonight. They're playing the Kings right now. So. It'll it'll be pretty interesting to see. But um, nevertheless, uh, my uh, my uh, stud is going to stay right here in the MAC. Uh, we said we get to it later. Ball State with the absolute outstanding win last night, and uh, and at Notre Dame, um, a team that was ranked in the top ten, not an easy. I mean, that's got to be one of the big. I haven't looked at the actual statistics, but it's got to be one of the biggest wins for the MAC in years. I mean, to be able to go in there and beat a team like that. Um, Taylor Pearson was the guy who made the final shot. Um, from the, he was contested. Had to shoot it over. I mean, great defense by the defender from Notre Dame. Didn't matter. Knocked it down. Left him a second left on the clock, and they were able to get out of there with a win. And probably the biggest win that you'll see in the MAC all season. So oh, I yeah. think that's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, that's my stud, Elena. What is your dud? My dud is Gronkowski for his uh, cheap shot against uh, the Bills cornerback Chadavis White. Uh, did you guys see that? I didn't actually. Uh, Gronk came up right behind, like. Play was over. I heard about it, but I didn't see yeah. it. Play was over, and he just come up and cheap shots him like right in the back, like kind of the neck. I, so. I still need to watch it because I keep hearing about it, and I just haven't got the chance. It was to. definitely dirty. So I mean, and I never thought of Gronk like that. He's never really. He's kind of a funny guy. Just like a I don't goofy know. Dude, but and he just said that the frustration got a hold of him. They got, I guess, they got him one so. game for that, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of fantasy Monday. owners mad. I'll yeah. tell you that. You draft that <laughs> guy like first, second round in your, in your draft, and all of a sudden it's just like man. But, yep, yeah. so we'll see what happens there. And as for me, uh, Tyler Hall from Montana State, the guard. Andy, you and I saw him on Tuesday playing against Central Michigan. Uh, even, That's a dud. Even, yeah, even, C- a dud. even CMU uh, head coach Keno Davis said he's an NBA draft prospect, and he is. It, it's true. I mean, coming into the game, he was averaging 21.8 points per game. Last season against Central Michigan when they played you know, over in Montana, he ended up with 29 points even though his team lost 106 to 103. Marcus Keene in that one for CMU put up 44, and that was just a a wild game all around. But in the game on Tuesday, Hall was held scoreless. He went 0 for 9 from the field, and Montana State lost 75 to 48 to CMU here at McGurk Arena. So just just an absolute dud. I mean, he, he, he laid a goose egg literally because he didn't score at all. So that that's something that you you really don't want from from an NBA draft prospect and, and the best guy on your team that that just does not look good. Without question, I, I agree with all of it, and that was definitely a just a historically bad shooting game for that team last night. And he almost just, hurt me, man. Yeah, <laughs> so I was sitting there at the yeah. table and loose ball, and I almost got ran over. So he's made a dud for that too. Almost took oh me my, out. Oh my gosh, I, I don't even I don't even know what to say about that. I almost got hugged at, at that <laughs> point by my guy sitting next to me here, but. My dud, uh, final one of the semester. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's got to be you, Michigan State, because your fans are absolutely ridiculous. That okay, you d- you didn't make the Outback Bowl. Wow. I I don't really I don't really know why that matters so much. I mean, maybe because it's not on New Year's Day or something that they're gonna cry about it. But when they start saying they're gonna boycott the restaurant, 
that you shouldn't eat there anymore. Oh my god. I don't know, man, but I like their blooming onions, so I think that they're just making a huge mistake, and that's that's their own problem. I think it's an absolute dud to not want to go to Outback just because your team didn't get chose to play there. Yeah, that's just. Ridiculous. I understand it's the bigger game, and Michigan got chose over them and everything, and it's it's a huge issue apparently. To them just go out there and get a bowl and improve yourself that you should have been the team to get there instead of crying mm-hmm. about it and, and making mistakes. At one point for the blog that I write for for Mason Brew, there were people in the mentions that were talking about which teams players that have sex scandals or sexual abuse scandals. Yeah. Is worse. That's that's just messed up, man. Like, too far. I don't know. Michigan State fans, you're my daughter right now for that, or at least football fans, I should say. It's it's, it's sports. It, it's a game. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a, game. a game. At the end of the day, it's a game. Exactly. I've I've learned that more and more. I was definitely one of those people, but I've learned it more and more as I've uh, gotten into this as an actual career. But that'll wrap it up for us this, for the semester. I want to thank all you guys for listening to us all semester. It means a lot to us. And keep up with us. We'll be back next semester. It'll definitely be us three back in this uh, room here on the fourth floor of Moore Hall again. want to thank uh, Grant for uh, being our podcast guy all uh, all semester. And, yeah, we, I, I just want to clap it out for you guys real quick. So, yeah. We're all um, clapping. Uh, we're all clapping. Give you guys a round of applause for listening to us. And we'll make sure to be back at you next time. You can listen to this final one here on CM Life Sports. And thanks for listening.